So let me read this to you. This is uh, Acts 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days I will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the days, the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this new year. Lord, we thank you for 2018, the chance to start over for many of us, the chance to look ahead, and God, the chance to have more of you. So Lord, right now, just come and speak to us and meet with us today, Jesus. We need you. We need you. We need your presence. We need your voice and your glory. So we just pray you would just move and speak and do what that, only what you can do. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would just speak and not me. And Lord, anything that I say would be quickly forgotten and fall to the ground as dust and be blown away. But you would speak and we would hear you. In your name, amen. So we're kicking off this new sermon series today, um, and it's entitled The Book of Acts. And what we're going to be doing in this series, this is going to be a five-week series, we are going to be talking about church. We're just going to be talking about church, the church, the bride of Christ, and we're going to be talking about our church. We're going to be talking about Martha Bowman United Methodist. And we just want to kind of look at some different aspects of church, kind of where we are, where we think we're going, just kind of, you know, God, what are you up to? What do we need to know? What's on your heart? And so that's what we're going to be looking at for the next five weeks, just becoming more and more the church the Lord has for us. And so I wanted to start, this is a little different, but I wanted to throw up, um, wait, went past it. There we go. So I just wanted to start with this and just say a couple of things. This is what we call our sermon graphic or wallpaper. You might have seen this in the bulletin or in social media. And so a couple of things just about this. One, it's called the Book of Acts, and we are going to be in the Book of Acts for the next five weeks. And um, I know that's an incredibly clever name for our series. Um, 
but we're going to be in the book of Acts. And just what we want to do is we want to study the church from 2,000 years ago. And what can we learn from them? What are we supposed to learn and kind of glean from them? And how do we apply it? And what of it needs to be applied to us today here, 2018, Martha Bowman? But I also want to point out the second little line on this when it says a blueprint for the church. And just to say, we picked this line very strategically in this sense. Now, all of you know what blueprints are. Just they're a technical drawing of something you have to build, whether it's for engineering, architecture, or something like that. You know, and they show you the specifics of what you're supposed to build. They give you the dimensions and the measurements and kind of the layout of everything. And they really show you what you're building and the direction you're supposed to go. Earlier this week, I talked to a church member of ours, a guy named Warren Selby, who many of you know. And Warren is a contractor. And I just asked him, I said, you know, we're doing this series about Acts and we're calling it a blueprint for church. Why in your line of work do blueprints matter? That's what I wanted to ask Warren. And he said two things I thought were kind of cool. The first thing he said was, and I've already alluded to this, you know, blueprints show you the direction you're going. They show you the end product, the end result you're supposed to make. And he goes, that's why they're important. But they're important for a second reason. And they said, they show you your client's expectations for what you're building. The person who has hired you to build something for them, the blueprints show you what they want. And I think both of those things, the fact that it shows us the direction we're going and it also shows us the expectations are really applicable for us. Just as we talk about church, you know, we want to know, God, what's the direction we're supposed to be heading in? And two, Lord, what are your expectations? What are your hopes, your plans, and your dreams for this church? And so our prayer, just as the preaching team, is that a little bit better by the end of this series, we might know what that is and what God is calling us to. So... I want to first just give you a quick overview of the book of Acts, since we're going to be in this book for the next five weeks, just to give you kind of a quick look over overview of it so we all know what it is. Because some of you, you might be super familiar with it. Others of you, maybe you've never heard of it, or you're like, ah, I don't know too much about it. So the book of Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament, and it's written by a man named Luke. Now, Luke was a physician, and he was also this kind of researcher, almost like an investigative reporter. And so what he did is he wrote the book of Acts, but he also wrote the Gospel of Luke. He wrote two of the longest books in the New Testament. And he studied Jesus, learned about his life, learned about the church in Acts. He was actually a part of the church in Acts. He traveled some with Paul. And so he wrote these two books. Now, Acts is an interesting book because it's kind of sandwiched right in the middle of the New Testament. Now, the New Testament basically has two main sections to it. First, we have the Gospels, the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which talk about Jesus and his life. And then you have the book of Acts, and then following Acts, you have these 22 what are called letters or epistles, and they were letters written by various church leaders, Peter, Paul, and John predominantly, and they wrote these letters to different people or to different churches, just talking about Jesus and theology and just addressing different issues. So you've got the Gospels here, you've got the epistles, and right in the middle is this one singular book, the book of Acts. And it's an interesting book, and it's an important book because it really kind of binds and threads the whole New Testament together. And what it does is it tells the story of the first church. It's a history book. It tells the story of the first church, who they were, what they did, what God did, all that kind of stuff. It's 28 chapters long, and it covers about 32 years of history. Acts 1 is around 30 AD, and then Acts 28, the final chapter, wraps up around 62 AD. 
So it's a history book that covers 32 years of history. And here's the thing that's important for us to understand as we jump into this book. The reason the book of Acts is in the Bible is because the book of Acts is, tells us and it shows us what the church is supposed to be. It tells us and shows us what the church is supposed to be. It shows us what we're supposed to be about, what we're supposed to be committed to, the things we're supposed to do, the kind of people God wants us to be. And so it's in there so that we would look at it because it sets the example, the bar. It is the template for what church is supposed to be. And so the book of Acts is the example of what this church, Martha Bowman, is supposed to be. And so we want to look at this book and learn, okay, God, what kind of church do you want us to be? And we want to discover that by looking at the book of Acts and the church in there because that is the example of what church is supposed to be. And so we want to start our journey into Acts at the beginning in Acts chapter 1. You know, as we kind of learn about more about who we are and what God is calling us to, and as we look to the model of church in Acts, we just want to start where their story started in Acts chapter 1. And we read this passage, what we read at the beginning tells us a little bit of how things got started for them. So in Acts chapter 1, Luke kicks off his story, and Jesus is just about to ascend into heaven. This is the last few moments of Jesus. Okay, Jesus dies on the cross. He rises from the dead. And from the day he rose from the dead until he ascends into heaven, it was a period of 40 days. And over that 40 days, he made various appearances to his disciples to prove that he was alive. And so Acts picks up that last time that Jesus is with the disciples. And they're talking, and Jesus tells them, he says, Okay, guys, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Wait for that, and then once you get the Holy Spirit, go all over the earth with the gospel. It's a pretty amazing mission, Jesus said. He goes, I want you guys to sit here and wait, and the Holy Spirit's going to come. I'm not going to tell you how he's going to come. I'm not going to tell you how you're going to know he's come, but you'll know. And once he does, all you've got to do is go all over the whole earth with the gospel. That's the last thing Jesus says to him, which I think is pretty cool, but it would be kind of daunting if you were one of those disciples. So Jesus tells them this. And then he ascends into heaven, which basically I means he kind of floats away. We don't really know. He just kind of flies and floats away. I've kind of wondered if flying is a spiritual gift. I don't think it is, but it does kind of make me wonder. I'm like, man, that would be so cool. So Jesus just kind of floats away. And the disciples, I think, are just kind of frozen. They're like, wow, that was so cool. He just, we had no, we'd never seen him fly, but that was kind of neat. And these two angels show up, and they say, okay, guys, get moving. Why are you standing here? Go to Jerusalem and do what he said. So the disciples go into Jerusalem, and they gather with the other believers. And it tells us there was about 120 people there. And they just come together, and Jesus told them to wait, so they wait. And they just start praying. And now the rest of Acts 1, we didn't read this, but I'll tell you real quick. The rest of Acts 1, what happens is they basically call what we would call a church council meeting. And Peter stands up and says, okay, Judas, who betrayed Jesus, is dead, so we got to replace him. We need to hire a new staff person. So they hire this guy, Matthias. He takes Judas's place. And that's the end of chapter 1. So that's the start of the church. Now, when I read that, this might just be me. That's just kind of an ordinary beginning. It doesn't seem like, wow, that, like if I was writing the story of how the church started, I think I would have had made it more exciting. Like, they just hang out with Jesus, 
He flies away, which is cool. They pray some. They have a staff meeting, and they hire somebody. That's all that takes place in Acts 1. You know, it's not bad, but it's not great. You'd think, like, man, I feel like, you know, all these angels would visit them, and there'd be chariots of fire. I don't know, just like it would be more than that, but that's all that happens. But here's the thing. From this very kind of ordinary, non-auspicious beginning comes the church. And comes this amazing, incredible move of God that changes everything. In Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. And from chapter 2 through chapter 28 of Acts is this incredible revival and move of God. The likes of which the world has not really ever seen since. This is incredible. The church is born and all these people get saved. Miracles, salvations, conversions. They start getting persecuted. Some of them get killed. I mean, it's just insane what happens. Angels are shown. I mean, it's just like the next 30 years are unbelievable that Acts covers. And it all comes from chapter 1. Almost this kind of boring, ordinary beginning. But what we want to understand is Acts 1 is so important. And at first read, it just seems kind of ordinary. And what's the deal? But it is so loaded with important truth that we need as a church. And here's what we kind of want to start to wrap our minds around is this. In Acts chapter 1, what takes place there is what sets the table for the rest of the book and for Pentecost and the move of God and the Holy Spirit. You know, that by the way, we are a part of, I mean, we are a continuation of that up until today. You know, the beginning of the church. And what we understand is Acts 1 is what sets up the rest of Acts. And that there is truth and there is stuff in Acts 1 that we need. Because for the church in Acts, in Acts 1, they do what they did. And this incredible move of God happens the rest of the book. And the move of God that happens in the rest of the book, starting chapter 2, it's like the church in Acts just entered into this incredible phase and just more of God that they could have ever imagined. It's incredible. That they enter into just this revival, Holy Spirit movement, just this more of God. And I feel like for us, if we want to be a church to move into kind of the more that God has for us in the coming years, that we need to be an Acts 1 church too. That if we want to move into kind of that next phase as a church of what God's called us to, we want to be an Acts 1 church as well. And that's what we want to unpack just a little bit today. Now... Before we get into that, let me just say this right here, just so we're all on the same page. I just want to say this. I was thinking about this as I was writing this week. Guys, we have an awesome church. It is really good. I love this church, and I love what God is doing, and I know you do too. And I just want to be clear. I love this church and what the Lord has done, what he's done in the past and what he's doing. Okay? God is here. He's moving, and lives are being changed, and it's awesome please don't misunderstand me but i do want to say this too that there is more there is so much more god wants to do and so for us we just want to learn how do we kind of step into that more that god has you know how do we experience more of what the book of acts shows us it's not to say it's not happening at all but there's always more that god wants to do he is the god of the more John the Baptist in John 3 said, God gives the spirit without limit. And we just want to learn how as a church can we be the kind of people and position ourselves to enter into that more that God has for us. 
because that's our inheritance. We love what God is doing. It's so great and we're so thankful, but we're also hungry for more. It's okay to be grateful and wholly dissatisfied at the same time. And that's God always wants us to kind of walk in that tension. And so today, you know, how do we become more of an Acts 1 church? What do we need to do? Well, I think there's a couple things we can do, a couple things we need. You know, we want to focus and be about the things that the Acts 1 church was about. You know, we want to look at them and say, okay, what were they doing that preceded them entering into the more God had for them? And let's do the same things and be about those same things here. And I would say there are three things. Number one, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need God to keep showing up in greater and greater measure and greater and greater fullness that God would come here and nothing would get in his way. And that we would say, God, come and do what you want to do. And would you move in power and in glory? That God would continue to come and give us more of his presence and his power, healings, miracles, salvations, worship, discipleship, outreach, all that. But just, God, we need more of you. That God would continue to come. Now, do we currently have the Holy Spirit? Of course we do. And it's good. But there's more. And we need more of it. Again, he gives the spirit without limit. And so just to put ourselves, have our hearts say, God, come and do what you want to do. You know, that we would never put a ceiling on what the Holy Spirit does. But just say, God, come and do your thing. That's the first thing we need to be an Acts 1 church. The second thing is, is prayer. We have to continue to be a people of prayer. You know, we read in Acts 1, when they went back to Jerusalem, what's the one thing they did? They prayed. They came together in prayer. And they set the bar that the church is supposed to be a people of prayer. Jesus said, my house is a house of prayer. And we want to continue to be that. Are we that already? Absolutely. You guys are awesome about prayer. You know, we pray. We're going to have a prayer meeting today. We pray at other venues. You pray in your Sunday school classes and small groups. You pray with each other. And it's, it's great. But we need to go deeper in prayer. We need some more of it. We want you all to be praying on your own, just in your own quiet time, in your own relationship with Jesus, and corporately that we would continue to come together and cry out to God. I have a buddy. He is a pastor, and he took over a church. And it was about, well, it was actually about, I got the numbers backwards. It was about 50 people, and it wasn't a very healthy church. He began to preach the gospel, and they grew to about 25 people. People just left when he actually started teaching them about Jesus. But from that, tw th that 25, they started to pray. In just a couple years, they grew to over 600 because God showed up because they prayed. And people would ask him, they would say, how did you do this? How did you turn this church around? And he would say, I didn't. We prayed. And then he said this, and I've never forgotten this. He goes, Our people prayed, and if you want what we have, he said, if you'll pray till your knees bleed, you'll have what we have. And so that we would just continue and grow as a people of prayer. That's the second thing we need. And the third thing we need is this. We need you. We need all of you. All of us need to be all in on what the Lord's doing here. It takes every single one of us. You know, the thing about the church in Acts was everybody who was there was all in. 
they had bet their entire lives on Jesus. They knew that they could likely be killed. They could lose everything. They had watched Jesus die, and they knew, good chance that's going to happen to me. But they were all in on the mission of God, and for us to be all in on what God's doing here. And this is not to question you guys' commitment or your generosity. This is an incredibly servant-hearted, generous church, and I know that. But we want to take that to the next level and be all in on what God is doing here. That's what we want to be. And so these are the three things I think we need from the book of Acts, to be an Acts 1 church, to have the Holy Spirit, to continually seek him, to continue to give ourselves in prayer, and that all of us would be all in. You know, I want to add just to that last thing about us being all in. Let me just say this. You are the only you here, and we need you, and God needs you. You're the only you here, and God has brought you here for a reason. Because there are things that God wants to do in you and do through you in this church. And without you, we won't be who God wants us to be. So we want to be an Acts 1 church. And I believe if we'll commit to that and try to live this out, we really will more and more enter into that more, that just the next level of what God wants to do here. We love what he's been doing, but we're hungry for more. And we want to step into that. Um. One of the things you do in seminary is you study other cultures and other churches. And one of the churches that I remember studying in seminary was the church in China. And the church in China, it's unreal. It is exploding. It is incredible what God is doing. Now, China is a communist country. There's a state church, which is controlled by the government, which is not a real church. But there's the underground church where God is just rocking that country and part of the reason that that god is moving so much there is because the church in china is an acts one church they have entered into the more that god has for them because they are a church about the holy spirit the way they pray in china would rock your socks off and everybody is all in and so that's just a modern day example of an acts one church that has entered into the more and again we just want to Learn what that is for us and go after that. But just to say, as we see in China, it can happen here, and that's what God wants. Um, I know a guy, um, a pastor, and for him, I've heard him say that his goal as a pastor is that whatever church he's at would become an Acts 1 church. Like that everything he does and as, as a leader and as a preacher would be to cultivate that in the people he's over. And he says, the reason I want to do that is because if we'll become an Acts 1 church, everything else will take care of itself. And this is who God wants us to be. And if we want to kind of move in that next phase of what God has, as we study the, books at, the book of Acts in the next five weeks, that we would become more and more an Acts 1 church. And so I feel like what the Lord is saying to us today is, in just a moment we're going to pray, and God is just inviting us to just kind of make this commitment in our hearts to try to live this out. You know, and I'm going to pray at the end of the service, and we're just going to pray through this, but say, God, we just want to set our hearts to be this kind of church. We don't fully know what it means, but we know that there's more, and we're willing to listen, we're willing to learn, we're willing to try. I believe that's what God wants for us. So I'm going to wrap up in just a second, and we're going to pray. And we're just going to come before the Lord and say, God, make us this. Help us be this. Show us what this means.
with the intention of, God, we know that there's more. We love what you've been doing, but we are hungry for more. And I believe that's what God wants for us. I'll close with this, and then we'll pray. Verse 15 of Acts 1, the last verse we read, um, you know, it said that there were 120 people at the first church meeting in Acts 1. 120 people. And I want to say that that's about the size of this crowd. That's about what's here today, give or take. And that 120 people 2,000 years ago committed themselves to be an Acts 1 church, and look what God did through them. Just imagine what God would do with this group if we'd do that too. There's no reason to think that God wouldn't do the same thing with us if we'll set our hearts to it. But if we'll be people of the Holy Spirit, prayer, and we'll be all in, I really do think we'll enter into the more that God has for us. And this group right here, we can do it. All right, let's pray. Lord, we come before you now. Lord, we love you. We worship you. There is no one like you. And God, you are worth everything. And Lord, we just want to first thank you for all that you've been doing in our church for so many years. God, we love our history, the way you've moved. We love the present, the way you're moving. And God, as we look to the future, we declare, God, we are hungry for more. You give the spirit without limit. So God, we ask, God, please pour yourself out on our church. Lord, as you breathe on the disciples, would you breathe on us? And God, would you move our church more into the next phase of what you have? That there is so much more and we're hungry for it. Lord, we just say now that we want to be people and be a church, one of the Holy Spirit of prayer, and that we would be all in. And God, would you do here what you did 2,000 years ago? Would you do here what you're doing in China? Would we be an Acts 1 church and enter into the more that you have for us? And we thank you for that. Lord, we are so in awe of who you are and what you do. And God, we know that the plans and purposes you have for our church are so much better and greater than we ever dare dream or imagine. God, we put no limits on you and say, God, would you make Martha Moan United Methodist the bride you want it to be? And God, in this sermon series, would you help us understand better what that is and take us deeper? God, would we go further faster than we ever have as a church? And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.